Good morning. <laughs> Good morning again. Wow, this, uh, these are left over from Bud Bjorndahl's funeral, and uh, they're beautiful, aren't they? But I can't see this half of the congregation. But anyway, uh, it's good to be together, and uh, I appreciated Dick's prayer. In fact, I was going to mention something about preaching, so you'll just have to hang on to that for a moment. But uh, every week when I get up here to speak, I realize that uh, God has spoken to me and given me a word that I think intersects with your lives and with what's happening in the world and, uh, and somehow manages to bring that together in a way that speaks uh, to us. And that's my prayer every week. So we're in a series this month uh, called Prayer Changes Everything because we believe that it does. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about why we pray, or why we should pray, or why do we pray. And last week, we considered some of the prerequisites or the conditions that are necessary if we hope to have our prayers answered, or if we hope to have God hear us. One of these conditions, and perhaps the most important one as I suggested last week, is faith. We must have faith. We must believe that God will, in fact, answer our prayers. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to answered prayer. But as you know, and as you have all experienced, or are experiencing even now, the situation or problem that we are faced with is often so big and so overwhelming that it's difficult to have faith, to believe, first of all, that God hears and that God answers our prayers. So the question is, how do we find faith when we're overwhelmed by life and by the things that happen? In his letter to the Romans, chapter 10, Sharon read this for us, Paul tells us where faith comes from. Faith, says Paul, comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. In other words, we get faith by listening to Christ's words as they come to us in Scripture, as they come to us through other people, as they come to us directly and personally from God Himself. This morning, I want to consider how we pray or how we should pray about overwhelming problems and difficult situations. Because if you're like me, when you're faced with these situations in your life, oftentimes prayer is the last resort. It's not the first thing we do. So how do we pray about this stuff? Or more specifically, how do we make sense of and appropriate God's promises. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible that God makes to his people. But before we do this, I need to raise a critical question. It's one that's come up over and over. It came up again Wednesday night at our study in our prayer time. And by the way, that was a fabulous time. Uh, 
We had about 30 folks show up to talk about prayer and to pray together, and I encourage you to come Wednesday night and for the next two weeks as we, as we continue to do that. But 7,000 promises that God makes in the Scriptures. But why is it that God doesn't seem to always deliver on His promises? Why do so many of our prayers seem to go unanswered? Some would say, well, God actually answers every prayer, just not in the time or in the way that we think. And that could be possible. But for example, if Jesus promises to give us whatever we ask for in his name, which we talked about two weeks ago, John 14, why do those that we love die unexpectedly? Why aren't our loved ones healed? Why aren't our marriages made whole? Why don't our children turn out the way that we'd hoped? Why don't our parents act the way that we'd hoped? Why are we stuck in meaningless dead-end jobs and so on and so on? And you can think of a million other things. I heard about a man who was a diabetic, and he read this verse, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. And so he said to God, I'm going to ask in faith that you cure my diabetes. He threw away his insulin, and three days later he died. What happened? God promised. So why didn't he answer this man's prayers? The fact is, many people, many of us, misunderstand God's promises in Scripture. We're either misinformed or, sadly, we have been misled. We can't simply name it and claim it, as some people would tell you to do. We can't name and claim a promise that's been given in Scripture to somebody else unless God, through His Holy Spirit, gives it to us. And I believe that God does that. Let me explain. God seems to speak His Word to people in two ways. He speaks generally, universally, to everyone, and He speaks personally to particular people with a specific message for specific situations at specific times in life. For example, God promises to be with us, to protect us, to forgive us, to love us. And he also promises difficulties and challenges and heartache and even persecution. These are general promises of God everywhere in Scripture, and they're meant for all of us at all times. But consider this. One day God came to Sarah Abraham's wife and told her she was going to have a child. This was not unusual except for the fact that Sarah was 90 years old and her husband Abraham was much older. He was 99. This was a specific and personal word to Sarah. God wasn't suggesting to Israel or to us that every woman who desires to have a child at age 90 simply needs to ask, and it'll be done. Now, I'm not sure some of you would want to pray that prayer. 
But this was a particular word to Sarah and to no one else. Or how about Peter's walk on the water? Jesus gave him a particular word for a particular situation. He got out of the boat, as we read in the Gospels, and he walked on water for a time. Until what? He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sing. But we don't read this account and conclude that the next time we go to Lake Geneva, we can simply go out walking on the water. It doesn't work that way. In order to understand how prayer works, how God answers prayer, particularly our prayers at those times and in those situations that we find so difficult and so overwhelming, we need to understand that God speaks generally and he speaks personally to us. And I wonder even as I say that this morning, when was the last time, and I'm not one who really likes, you know, God told me language, but when was the last time you heard God's voice, that God spoke to you? So how does God speak to us personally? The Bible's clear that it is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to take Christ's words and to apply them to us personally. To make them come alive in our lives. In John 14, Jesus promises to send the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who will teach us and remind us of his words. And Jesus goes on and promises that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit's role is to teach us, to remind us, and to guide us. There's really nothing strange or mystical about this. In fact, it happens all the time. It happens to you and me. For example, have you ever been in a worship service and during the sermon felt like the preacher was reading your email or your text messages and is speaking directly to you? You wonder how he or she knows that you're struggling with a particular issue or have a particular question on your mind as you sit in worship. You may even wonder who told on you, who called the pastor that week and told about your situation. This, my friends, is the Holy Spirit at work in your life speaking to you, taking God's word, personalizing it, and applying it to your lives. The mystery of preaching is that week after week, God takes the words, the imperfectly crafted words of preachers like me and Pastor Dick, he takes this general word that we proclaim and he applies it specifically to you at a particular time for a particular situation. That's a mystery, and it's humbling, and I don't understand it. This is one way God works in our lives. The Holy Spirit takes this general word of God, personalizes it, and brings it alive in your life. Another example would be that during 
a quiet time, a devotional time perhaps, or at a Bible study while you're reading Scripture, a particular verse jumps out at you. You've had this happen. Maybe you've read this same verse or you've heard this read a thousand times, but you'd never understood it or heard it quite the same way. All of a sudden, you see a new way to apply it. It makes sense to you like it's never made sense before. This is the Holy Spirit taking this general word to everyone and applying it to you in a personal and practical way. God can speak his personal word to you through sermons, through Bible studies, through music, through counseling sessions, through podcasts, through television programs, even through family members, through friends, and so on. He's not limited. And in every situation... (laughs) This is the Holy Spirit at work in your life, teaching you, reminding you, guiding you. The problem is that we don't pay attention oftentimes. We don't expect to hear God speak to us through a song or through a movie or through a television program. The Holy Spirit does this, building our faith And I believe increasing our confidence that God is active and alive in our lives. So the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, leading us, guiding us, speaking to us. But I want to suggest several things we can do to help us clearly hear God's voice, the Spirit's voice, as we pray about a particular problem or a difficult situation that we're in. First of all, confess. We've talked about this each week. Confess any known sin in your life. Tell God, I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with you. Ask him, is there a problem with my attitude that I don't see? Is there anything I'm doing that you want me to stop doing? Is there anything that you've been telling me to start doing that I haven't started doing. So stop, get quiet, confess your sins, and in a sense, get your lives in order. Get them cleaned up. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us. So come clean with God and make sure the communication channel is open. That's the first thing. Next, and this is difficult, it sounds so simple, but entrust the situation or the problem to God. It's not usually our first instinct, is it? The writer of Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and he will bring it to pass. Don't take matters into your own hands, which we all do all the time. Don't try to figure everything out by yourself. Entrust whatever it is that you're dealing with to God, 
place your burdens and your cares in his capable hands. Go against your instincts. Our instincts are to fix things. Pastors are fixers. If you have a problem, let me help you fix it. Entrust whatever it is you're dealing with to God. That's where we begin. Put yourself, as it were, in neutral. (laughs) Take some time. Tell God about the problem you're facing or the decisions you need to make. Put yourself in neutral and pray and listen. Tell God that whatever he wants (laughs) is what you want. Not my will, but your will be done as Jesus prayed in the garden before he went to the cross. You may say, I don't know, this is a difficult problem. This is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Actually, that's a good place to start. But whatever you want, Lord, I want it. Put yourself in neutral and entrust whatever it is you're facing to God. Confess and trust and then listen. And this is also very difficult. Most of us aren't very good listeners. Listen for God's personal response. Listen for God to speak to you. Listen for his voice. Don't simply go to the Bible like one man did and pick out a particular promise at random. He said, God, what should I do about this problem that I'm facing? I have no idea what to do. So he opened the Bible, he put his finger down, and it said Judas went out and hung himself. That can't be right. He thought, so he tried again, and he landed on this passage. (laughs) Go thou and do likewise. (laughs) This certainly isn't right, he thought, and he tried a third time. What thou doest, do quickly. This is what happens when we dip and we skip and we skim through the Bible, taking verses out of context and forcing God's word to apply to our situation. Listen for God prayerfully and patiently. Read the word of God and wait for God to speak. He will. But know this, the personal word that God gives you about your situation may come in a variety of ways, in a variety of circumstances. It may come through private Bible reading. It may come while you're in a small group, while you're having dinner with trusted friends in a a group Bible study. It may come during a one-to-one conversation with a friend or even a stranger. It may come as you sit in silence. It may be online maybe on a radio or television program. A friend of mine from Portland was converted to Christ after coming home one evening very late or very early and very drunk. Turned on his television, came across a program featuring the power team. 
Some of you may remember the power team, a group of Christian evangelists who incorporated their preaching with displays of strength. They'd break chains and martial arts. He was captivated, and at the conclusion of the program, he gave his life to Christ. And now you might hear that and go, well, he was probably still drunk. Well, he may have been, I don't know, but the fact is that that was 40 years ago. And it changed his life. You never know. You never know how God's going to speak. Finally, (laughs) act. Do something. When God says go, go. Confess and trust, listen, and then act. Not when you think it's time, because most of us are procrastinators. We overthink things. But when God says it's time, it's time. I've discovered that when God moves us, he typically does it in three steps. First of all, he tells us what he's going to do. Then he tells us how he's going to do it, and then he lays out the timing, the when of it all. The mistake that most of us make, however, is that we get the first step, and then we forget the other two. We discern what God is up to in our lives, and then we go out, and what do we do? We try to make it happen, as if timing doesn't matter. The truth is, when we are trying to do things in our own way, and according to our timeline, oftentimes it falls flat. And then we are frustrated. And we say, why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? Because we don't know God's timing, oftentimes we rush things. So how do we know God's timing? (laughs) I think it's pretty simple. Things actually fall into place. Imagine that. And I bet when you hear that, sometimes you think, well, things haven't really fallen into place for me lately. Maybe you're not being patient. Maybe you're not listening. Before I came to Northwest Covenant Church in January of 2017, three years ago, hard to imagine, hard to believe. Some of you are probably thinking, yeah, it's really hard to imagine you're still here. I'd spent six months prior to coming here trying to figure out what was next for me. I was in a period of transition in my life. I'd been teaching English and hungry, came back, and I knew that I had six months worth of resources to figure things out, try to understand what God wanted me to do. These were some of the most trying months of my life. Now you'd think, oh, I'd love to have six months to ponder and pray, and you know, it was excruciating. By mid-November, of that year, I discovered, or I discerned that God wanted me back in full-time Christian ministry. And I was pretty sure (laughs) that he was calling me to serve in a church, which is something that I said several years before that, that I didn't think I ever wanted to do again. But I really had no idea when or if all of this was going to happen And I certainly hadn't gotten a green light. I was talking to several churches at the time. One of them was in Santa Barbara. Let's see, Mount Prospect, Santa Barbara. (laughs) Um, 
I was talking to a parachurch organization. Uh, I was pretty sure that that was the ticket, you know, which it turned out not to be. So I was talking to these churches when I got a call from my friend Peter Schobloom, who worked for the Central Conference. He was driving back from Chicago, to Chicago from Minneapolis, and somewhere in Wisconsin, he felt that he should call me and ask me if I'd be interested in serving as a long-term interim here at Northwest Covenant Church. He really didn't know anything about this process that I'd been in for six months, except a friend of mine said, call Kurt, he may be open to doing something. At first I told him I wasn't really interested in living in Chicago. I'd done that for a year, 20 years before, and it was weather like this that sent me back to Portland. But I would be willing to talk to the church council and at least hear them out, which I did. And then this happened. Midway through our conversation, and this is what I want you to hear, and I don't know if I've actually shared this, midway through the Skype conversation with the council, and some of you were, were in on that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me with absolute clarity. This has only happened several times in my life, by the way. Do this. <laughs> I didn't hear an audible voice. Do this. Move to Mount Prospect and serve this church. I don't remember anything else that was said during that meeting with the council because I was so absolutely zeroed in on this. You will bless them and they will bless you. That's what I heard. God said, go. And I said, no. <laughs> no, not yet. Right? Let me think about this. God said, go. Two weeks later, I came back here, met with some people, many of you, and it only confirmed what God had told me earlier. A month later, I'd moved to Arlington Heights and I began serving as the interim pastor. God spoke, I listened and acted, and things fell into place. God wants to work in your life. My story isn't unique. God wants to work in your life. He wants to speak to you, and this is true for each one of us. But he wants to work in your life personally and uniquely. Some of you are facing some big decisions this morning. Or you're facing some really big problems. And you have no clue what to do. And I suspect that these decisions are weighing heavily on you. I believe, and I believe this every Sunday, every week, that God brought you here this morning for a very particular reason. You're not here by accident. He brought you here to hear a personal word from him. It may not be in this sermon. It may have been in something else that happened. But God brought you here this morning. The starting point is confession. Is there a sin that you need to confess, an attitude that you need to acknowledge, a habit, an inappropriate thing that you've been doing that needs to stop? Ask for God's help, for his forgiveness. And trust your situation to the Lord.
Ask God to put you in neutral. You notice I used that word a lot this morning? I don't know why, it just kind of came to me. We just need to stop. We just need to put it in neutral and stop long enough to hear from God. We're so busy. Sit still. Say, God, help me to want what you want. Your will be done. Listen to God. Be quiet. Listen to him until he speaks to your heart and gives you a sense of assurance. And when God says go, go. When God says act, act. George MacDonald, wonderful writer, pastor from another century, asked the question, who among us has done one thing that God has asked? One thing. And so that's what I'd leave you with this morning. What is the one thing that God is calling you to do or asking you to do or speaking to you about this morning? And whatever it is, do it. Amen.